let's take a moment and ask for God's blessing as we continue in our series. Heavenly Father, I, I humble myself before you. I ask that you speak through me and give me your words to declare your heart today. There's a lot going on in, in my spirit, and I want to just share your heart today to your people, Father God. So, so I ask for your wisdom. I ask for your anointing and your grace to declare your heart today. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. We're just going to continue in this series here, uh, possibly another week. I, I have about six points here today, and I just thought I need to whack it down to two. That's where you shout, amen, pastor, because there's something I want to share at the end, and I'm pretty passionate about actually for our next series, and if I start talking about it, I'm going to get off on a bunny trail, but I will at the end, so I got to be very careful because these are important things I feel, especially in the day and age we're living in, uh, of, of, the, of God's church, that it's essential. Can I get an amen? Uh, text Ephesians chapter 1. This is the second week in our series. God has put everything, somebody shout everything, everything. under the c- control of Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the head. He is the highest. God has put everything under the control of Christ. He has made Christ the head of everything for the good of the church. Thank God he is the head. For the church is Christ's body and it completes him. You'd think that, you know, Christ in itself is complete, but it says right here there's this component of, of the body of Christ, the bride, which we get into, completes him as he feels everything in every way. Uh, Dr. Martin Lord Jones, was, Jones excuse me, was a great preacher uh, in, in, uh, in London, and he said that the gl- glory of the gospel is that when the church is absolutely different from the world, she invariably attracts it. And that's what God has called us to be, a place that attracts the world, a place where the world sees in the midst of confusion and everything that's going on with the hatred and divisiveness that is out there, that the church is a place where they look to and see something different. Can you say amen? Text uh, Proverbs 29, 18, another verse. I think it's just appropriate for the day and age that we're living in. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. How many want to be most blessed? I do. So we need to attend to what God says. And we said this last week, I'm just uh, prefacing a few things, that the kingdom of God is under great attack globally in this season, and I believe that, and specifically God's church. Now, this has been throughout history, as we know that. God's kingdom, uh, times and seasons, ebbs and flows, and some more serious than others, uh, where the lives of believers were at stake. Uh, I'm not saying that we're at that here today, but we're in a... uh, Let me just say this. I believe... When we see about the church and we see about the government and then even the family and the church and the government, it seems like these two bubbles kind of cross and there's this gray area and we'll talk about that in the weeks to come. But how do we respond to that? What do we need to do? And so, so there's this eternal battle that's going on, the spiritual forces that are marshaled against you know, even our nation and the freedom and, and, and the rights of, uh, of the people in it, his church, his bride, uh, all of these things we're seeing, we're seeing this merging together in this, this contention. And so I said this last week, and I believe it, that the church is the key to the moral order of a civil society. 
The church is the only society that exists for the benefit of those who are not its members. Isn't that right? We exist for those out there, <laughs> or those that, that, that don't know the Lord. Can you say amen? amen? There's reason why. There's reason why the devil wants to keep churches closed uh, or restricted and, and, and doesn't want believers to come together to congregate. Uh, you know, there are churches right now that they actually have doors have been closed, but they have actually gone underground. I'm not talking about China. I'm talking about in America, where you need to find out where to meet through a text as a member. That's happening in America right now. Coming together, they need to do it by a text. Amazing. This is just crazy. The church is the ecclesia, the called out ones, the gathering of the body of believers, of faithful people. The church, as we said, is Christ's body on earth. This is what I find so deceiving, and, and, and we went through this as a church, but it's amazing that, that uh, uh, we went through it, and I think it ministered to people. We found out that there was a, a whole audience out there, but we've come to this place, we've been led to believe that the church is nothing more than a digital consumption exercise. Hey, we thank God for video. Amen. We thank God for those that are on Facebook that are able to be ministered to. God bless you. We believe in God for you here this morning that he speaks and blesses your life. But, but that's a substitute. That's an outreach ministry of the church. It's to, to get the word out, to bless people and, and to cause them to come to, to, to fellowship, as Hebrew says, to not forsake the assembly. That's a command. Start to throw that out there. Command that we come together. And so, uh, so it's it, amazing. And so, so there are outreach things. Thank God that we can do that. Amen. That we were able to do that. But God's bride is essential to him. Let me just personalize it. You are essential to God. Your presence, the glory of God on your face, all of those things are essential. <clears throat> and so we kind of left off with this last week. Does Jesus' bride really matter? Does it really matter? Well, for those of you who are married, don't raise your hands on this. Does your bride matter <laughs> to you? <clears throat> Ponder that one. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, so we see that, and I believe this is true here, that the local church is the foundation to God's plan for his people. He created that. Man didn't. Man has distorted it. They have made it religious. Uh, they've brought in uh, things that God didn't ask for. But, but God, Jesus said, I will build my church, called out people, ecclesia, to come unto me. The local church, and I believe this too, is the way God intends to accomplish his mission in the world. All these flags here. Nations we have gone to, a representation from people that have been there. And so <clears throat> I believe this is how God intends to accomplish his mission in the world. You know, there's a, there's a theologian and a pastor in New York City, Tim Keller, a uh, brilliant man. And he talks about millennials, those that are born from 1990s into the 2000s. So you know who you are here today. Uh, they're usually the kids of the baby boomers. All my kids are millennials that are born in that time. And he says this, he said, you millennials are the generation most afraid of real community because it inevitably limits freedom and choice. He said, get over your fear. <laughs> Amen. You think about that, there's a truth there. So church matters, my first point. We're only going to have two. And then I'll add, number one, it is, the, it is primarily, excuse me, to the local church that God wants to make himself known. One of all the evangelism strategies in the world 
of all the ministries, if I could say it this way, in the world, none is more central than the local church, and I believe that. I believe that. Before I was a pastor, I believed that. I didn't just say, well, I want to start a church in my living room back in 1999, and I didn't attend church. Everywhere my wife and I went, whether we were sent to Dallas, whatever, we said, we need to find a church. I also needed to find a gym to work out, too. But we wanted to find a church, a local church where we could plug into, because I found it that important to be a part, a local body of believers that, that I don't just show up, but they know me. I know them. Not not. You know, it depends on the size of the church, but somebody in there, and there's some level of accountability in my life. Can you say amen? <clears throat> it's interesting to know <clears throat> that Paul considered his ministry in an era fulfilled not when every person was reached. In other words, when, when a church was established in a community, Paul felt, my mission's done there. I can move on. Or a number of churches. And we have a number of wonderful churches in this community. And so I can say that this community is reached. Whoa, whoa, pastor, you're saying everyone's saved? Not at all. How I many you know there are many people in this community that need the Lord? Many. But you know what? They could, Saturday night, being drunk, stumble out of the bar or whatever, or wake up, throwing up, hugging the bowl, and go, I got to find God. And they could come to some church somewhere in this community, for the most part, and they could hear the gospel message. Amen? There's, it is not like that. It's the majority of the world. For over a billion people, you have China, you have India, you have Southeast Asia, there's plenty of places, even Japan, we've been to Japan a number of times, of 126 million people, only 1% Christian. You drive through areas, we're on a train and we look and we see whole communities and villages of 60,000 or 200,000 people, not one church. Today, today, how many with me say amen? amen. So <clears throat> the church, the church, uh, everywhere, you know, not every person is reached, but when churches have been planted, he figured, you know what, I'm going to move on to the next place. And you can see this in Romans 15. Romans 15. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Greece, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel, watch this, where Christ was not known. That's why you say, well, your pastor, he seems like he, he has a heart for the world. I do. I have a heart for those that are lost. Not only just locally and the outreaches we have done as a church, the many outreaches, but globally. I just That's my passion. It's in my heart. But he says, I, where the gospel was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. What is he saying there? Paul knew that the church is there well, how the gospel would spread into all the individual neighborhoods. Local churches do local evangelism. Watch this. The church is God's plan. It is God's mission. Can you say amen? Uh, a, a British uh, English writer and philosopher and lay theologian uh, named Gilbert Keith, they called him G.K. Chesterone. He said this, we do not want a church that will move with the world. We want a church that will move the world. Amen? Amen. And my second point, <laughs> some of you think, woo, we're going to get out here early today. The local church should matter to us because it matters to God. Did you get that? Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him, Jesus, to be the head over everything. For the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. 
He appointed him to be the head. Jesus is the head of the church. How many know Jesus expects his body to cooperate? Amen. Amen. And so we see that the church is Jesus' body on earth, and it's made up of all kinds of people from all walks of life. But together, we represent Christ here on earth through our local body of believers. And so because of this, the local church is central to the purpose of God and is of benefit to the world around us. Even today in our increasingly hostile culture, the local church is essential. Don't ever forget that. Know that that is God's heart. How many still with me say amen? So here's the thing. We all need the local church, church Excuse me, if we're going to become like Christ. He, he created it that way. You may not like that. That may ruffle you. You may feel, I don't need that. I find God, but I'm out on the lake fishing or whatever. Well, you may be able to commune with God, but, but you have nobody to speak into your life. The fish, you're not going to come up and say, you know what? You've got to work this thing out with your wife. You have a bad attitude. Can I get an amen? You need other people to be in your life. That work right there in the nitty-gritty of your life to go, you know what, hey, what's going on here? How can we help you? How can we pray for you at this difficult time in your life? How many with me say amen? That's what the church is about. That's what the church is about. And, and, and uh, we need a local church to become like Christ. No relationship on earth is more fundamental than the marriage relationship. But we can say amen to that. We talked about that last week. And ultimately, the very core of our culture and civilization rests on this basic institution of marriage. That's why even religious, watch this, in non-religious alike, they actually become alarmed when they have nations that people are not getting married and they're not having children. They take notice of this. Governments do. You know, in Japan, we've been there a number of times and and uh, just a few years ago, uh, what the population was. But over the last 11 years, their population has considerably decreased, keeps decreasing. The reason why, 33% of Japanese think marriage is pointless. They did a survey. Why get married? You know what? I can't keep my money. I have to divide my money between it. You know, I can't make my own decisions. And they just have all these excuses. And, you know, and recently, 2017, there was a, a, a study done on suicide in Japan. And that is a major social issue. It is the seventh high, highest suicide rate in the world. On one mission trip we're at, a young kid jumped in front of the train and killed himself. This is on one of the trips we were at. And they had, I said, why is the train stopped? Well, someone jumped in front of me and killed himself, a teenager. So, you know, when you break down the marriage, and, 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 and the society breaks down when the family is attacked. Can I get an amen? And so marriage, when the marriage relationships break down, uh, that, that nation is in trouble. And even the government in Japan is actually trying to pay young couples to say, hey, uh, get married, we'll help you out and have some kids. And What a danger, what a danger. How many with me say amen? amen? Marriage, I believe, is one of the most intimate of all relationships on earth, even above parent and child on that intimacy level. When God wanted to express his love that he has for his people, he could not have chosen a more powerful image than Liken the church to being his bride. Amen? Uh, I'd like you to jump now to the last slide, if you would. There's something I just kind of want to address, uh, that I want to talk about here, that's really, really on my heart, uh, and I've kind of been stirred with it, and we'll continue, Lord willing, on the essentialness of the church, but something that's just really bothered me, and it's actually been keeping me up at night, late. And I don't like it, because I don't sleep well as it is, in the little sleep that I get, Okay? But you know, how many know that God hates discord in his church? 
This whole mask mandate thing and these governor things and these church closure things and this, this China virus thing has created so much strife in the church. It should not be. We are Christians. Okay, we, we are Christians. And, and I understand, whatever direction I go here, there's a landmine. But I don't care. Okay, I, I, I'm not here to, to pacify anyone. I'm here just to, to speak to the issue here. And I think God, the word that's disturbed with me, and I conclude with this, is God hates discord in the church. You know, Proverbs 6.19 talks about things that the Lord hates. And one of them is a haughty eyes, a lying tongue. And he talks about seeds of pride and selfishness. And, it's, and actually it discusses and it talks about really, if you break that down, that verse, it means my opinion deserves to be heard. Wow. We see a lot of that today. And it's dividing people. And we should not be a divided people. Listen, if you fall trapped to that, we are falling trapped to Satan Amen. and his devices. And I'm talking on both sides of the spectrum because this has, this has so affected churches. Uh, it's amazing, not only just the businesses and our nation and all of these things. And, you know, you hear on one side, you know what, come on, you know, just act a certain way, do this. It's, it's, it, it only means this. And then the other side, and they're opposite and they're hostile. And, and it's just, it put pastors in a very difficult situation. All right, so step out of your little bubble for a moment. Understand, me as a pastor, what we go through. <laughs> you know, I remember someone once say, godly person, he said, you know what, pastor, thank you for what you do. And he, you know, he just blessed me. And he said, because, he said, because I have enough as it is right now just trying to lead my family. <laughs> and you're trying to lead the body of Christ, you know, in, in, the, in your church. How many would we say amen? How many say we love you, pastor? Watch this, watch this. Two kinds of wisdom. So if you say you've heard God on an issue, how does that come? How do you know it's the Lord? In the humility that comes from wisdom. James says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by their deeds done, in the humility that comes from wisdom. If you have a revelation and you know what you're supposed to do, fine, great. You should have, you should have humility about that. Can I get an amen? amen? Talks about that. But if you harbor bitty, uh, excuse me, bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Think about that. Have you ever thought that perhaps maybe some of the choices and decisions you've made might be earthly, unspiritual, and demonic? I have. <laughs> and don't raise your hand on this, but because I will. How many of you ever actually operated where you thought you were right, but it was earthly, unspiritual, and demonic? Come on now. You don't have to raise your hands. I just indicted myself. Because I have. And I'm like, oh, that was so dumb. Uh, and just think, you know, for the last 20 years of your life, every Sunday coming up and speaking before, you know, hundreds of people, you know, affected people. There are times I think, can we retract that from the tape? And Chad will just go, I'll try to, but it's already out there, you know. I didn't mean to say that. That wasn't my heart. How many with me say Amen. God hates discord in his church. And so for, the Bible goes on to say, for we are of envy and selfish ambition. You find disorder in every evil practice. We don't want that. We're not going to have that here at Harvest. Amen? Because we're going to pray, number one, and we pray to pray ahead of that, to pray against that. So there spiritually we're taking care of that. But we need the body to work together. And the church body works together by helping each other and calming each other down, speaking peace and love into each other's lives. Can I get an amen? But the Bible goes on to say, the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, peace-loving, 
considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And that's what I want for us as a church. Can you say amen? And so as as I just uh, conclude with this, we're going to pray here. But once again about this disorder, James 4.11 says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are, not, are you not a doer of the law, but a, but a judge? Titus 3, 9 through 11. But Paul says, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law. Hmm. For they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, here it is again, after warning him once, and then twice, it says, have nothing more to do with him. The King James used a real fancy word. It says, a factatious person. That's one who causes trouble. It actually means to admonish him, but then after that, have nothing to do with them. I've had to do that in the past with people just full of strife. You know, the Bible says, cast out the scorner and contention will cease. Can I get an amen? I mean, that's even in family. If you've got one family member that causing so much trouble, like, hey, we, you're causing a lot of division in the family here because we want a spirit of harmony. Can I get an amen? See, the world is imploding. I don't know if you know about it. <laughs> People are freaking out. All right? My wife just told me she met with a woman pastor in, uh, in the cities, and, and there's a church, this is so sad, of 2,000 people. 2,000 people. They have 200 people that come now. Where are all those other people? They're gone. People are full of fear. That is not God. Can I get an amen? It's not God. It's not God. <clears throat> Avoid these things. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the sons and daughters of God. I want to be a peacemaker. But you know, sometimes you have to stand for truth. And a lot of times that offends people. Let me just say this, and I'm going to grab my Bible here. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. I'm not going to walk down here any longer because I think it scares people. I'll stand back up here. But you know, uh, and, I, and I just really feel this. I'm really stirred about this, about you may claim to have a wisdom, an area of revelation about something, but if you're doing it in a spirit of haughtiness and pride, you are in sin. Amen, Pastor Mike. I'm in sin. Now listen, I understand this whole debate and, and what's going on, and, and I, I, I get it. I mean, we were just taking out some missionaries, and, and, and the waitress disappeared, and we were outside. And, I, and they said, we got to go, and I'm like, okay, the, where's the waitress? And, and how many, you know what I'm saying, you know, like, got to, you know, pay for the bill. And so I just kind of ran inside and looked. Nobody's nowhere, okay, nobody's nowhere. But then I looked at the bar, and the bar was full of people with no masks on and the bartender screams at me, hey, get your mask on. <laughs> Where's my way? Okay, finally found the way to. So, and so in that moment, I mean, can feel what I'm saying. I get it. Okay, I get it. I feel, I feel that. But, you know, he, he, here's the thing. You may feel that you have a right revelation. I'm talking both sides here. I'm not just talking one. I'm talking both sides here. Both. All right, watch this. From God an issue. But it's possible with a wrong attitude, it could be demonic. You could be missing it. I'm just throwing that out there. Now, why? Why? How many know the narrative can change in a moment? Oh, come on, people. The narrative can change in a moment, and we see that. I mean, I mean, you know, we pray that there's a, you know, a, 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 a vaccine for this, and, and, uh, but then again, a vaccine may happen, and then it may be mandated to your children. Then how many are you going to obey that? <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. 
<clears throat> Stand with me, if you would, please. I think it's time to wrap this one up. Amen? <clears throat> what am I trying to say? I mean, it's happened, too. It's happened in certain states. They mandated and they forced vaccines on kids. And Just think about that. So what am I trying to say is when we take a stand, I'm talking both sides, and we have anger in our heart, I think it's wrong for you to go to Menards and start screaming and cursing outside Menards. Come on, somebody. Because you don't want to wear a mask and they mandate you to wear a mask in there. Listen to me, I'm going out on the edge. As a pastor, it's not my job to tell you what to do in the sense of masks. It's, you heard what the state order is. I trust you are brilliant, smart people, and it's not my, life, not my job to control your lives. There's three sources of government. There's the government that God established. And, and here's the thing. Let me, I'm going to get into Romans 13 here in a series. Because it is such an inflammatory, misunderstood verses. That, listen to me. Oh, um, we're going to end here. Hitler, <laughs> Hitler was a brilliant man. He was demonically, evilly inspired. He killed Six, over six million of God's people. Do you know what he was brilliant about? He knew if I didn't get the churches, watch this. He knew, he said, if I don't get these churches involved, I'm not going to be able to take over this nation and do what I want to do. So you know what he did? He, he anointed emissaries, liaisons to go into all the churches in Germany. Watch this. And they went to Romans 13 and they said, you must obey the authorities over you. And those Christians went, uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's what they did. And, they, and, and millions of Jews died. So, so just face value of those verses 1 through 7 must mean something else. There's got to be something behind that that Paul's saying through that whole time. And all of a sudden, now we have Nero that is, you know, crucifying, burning at the stake Christians. And we just headlong and sink it. We just obey that. No. Listen, if anyone is a patriot in this place, I am. I served in the military. I love this country. Amen. I don't love it more than God. Because you know how I many old countries will come and go. But I love it. My daughter's here in the Marines. She's a patriot. And let me tell you something. The choice you have to not or to, someone died for that. So that blood on those flags, somebody died for you to stand and say your way. And, 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 and I respect that. See, I knew I'd go off the edge right here today, but I, I just, I, the division, I, I can't stand the division. And what I'm trying to say is let's not fall trapped to the division, church. Let's wake up to what the enemy is doing, okay, and find out biblically. And we are to obey. There are, we, I am not ceding disobedience. I mean, we are to respect those that are in authority. Respect the police. Bless the police. Honor them. Okay, and, you know, you're speeding, you're speeding. You deserve a ticket. Can I get an amen? Oh, anyhow. These verses need to be, in listen to me. Uh, these verses need to be interpreted. This, these few verses need to be interpreted from this and the rest of this here. Okay, that's how we interpret it. And when you hear a first mention in the scripture that something seems out of context, you have to go, okay, where is it someone else in the Bible and how is it paint itself out? That's how we're supposed to respond, amen? So that's a hot potato and I'm gonna get into it, all right? And if it, you know, whatever happens and I'm the only one here on a Sunday morning, I'm gonna preach to my wife, amen? But I don't think that's so. I think it's coming to a time, we're in a gray area here. In our nation, and, and, and I'm not saying that I'm on one whole end of the spectrum here, and we need to rally swords and pull. I'm not even talking about that. But I just see the division in the church. 
It's so wrong. And we're falling trapped to that. And we welcome all. We, we welcome all. We do. But you know what? There's a time I think clarity needs to take place. And, and that weight has been put upon me. And I think we're in a season now. There's some clarity that needs to be spoken. How quickly things can change and how they have in our nation. Yes. Every head bowed, please. Father, I pray you just filter all those words. <laughs> you know my heart, Father God. Hallelujah. And Lord, I desire to be one that honors you. We, I believe these people here, the desire to be obedient to you. And, and Lord, the, the authorities that you've placed over us. But Lord, show us, Father God. Speak to us. Lord, even in the areas of our life where... Uh, we have bitter envy and strife. We have allowed pride. We've allowed haughtiness. We've allowed just, uh, uh, just, just a contentious spirit. Lord, forgive us for Phariseeism, where we think we're right, and so everyone else needs to, Lord, forgive us. Come on, church, just begin to pray. We have, just, I think we all just need to do some soul searching right now, because I know myself, I know I could get caught up in that. But outside of me personally, there's a, there's, a, there's a weight that is on my soul. Let me tell you, it is a real weight. I am heavy with this. And of all the years I've pastored, almost 30 years, I feel so weighted because it is so divisive. And look what's going around. I scream, my God, my God. What has happened within a few, a few short months? Globally. Not just here, Globally. It's not right. It's not right. We fight against one another and we split and we divide. Father, forgive us. Come on, let's just worship here for a few moments. Come on, just lift your hands if you would. I know I came on pretty strong there and please just temper, but I know my heart is, I'm, just, I'm angry at the devil, okay? I'm angry at the devil and what he's doing to people and good people, people that they're trying to rightly divide the word of truth. They're really trying to. They want to honor God and they don't want to be disobedient to the scriptures. And They're good people, Christ-loving people and they're confused. So God, I pray, speak to us, Lord. Show us the pathway. Show us the pathway, Father God. You desire us as a church to be on, to, to be circumspect, to, to, to be honoring but also to be wise in the season that we're in, Father God. Help us, O oh Lord. Forgive us, O oh Lord. Come on, church. Forgive us, O oh Lord. Forgive us, O oh Lord, for criticism and condescendingness. And forgive us, O oh Lord, for being short-tempered and allowing the fruit of the flesh in our lives and not being Christ-loving and not accepting of things that are acceptable, Father. Forgive us, in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. That's why I challenge those of you here this morning, and maybe you're watching by Facebook, or, or you're on channel 181, and you know what? What's happened just even locally and, and, and statewide in, in our nation and globally has just totally unsettled you. And you're looking for hope. Hope is in Jesus Christ alone. Hope is in Christ alone. He is the answer for your life. And I want to challenge you to return to the Lord. Maybe you're backslid. Maybe you're away from Christ. Maybe you heard it as a kid. You, you heard it in children's ministry or youth ministry or you attended a church as a teenager. Then you went on your own and you've fallen away from God. The Bible says now is the time. 
Today is the day of salvation to come back to God. That's you. I'd like us to pray corporately to receive the Lord in this, in this holy moment. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. Save me. I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. I will serve you the rest of the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. If you made the decision, we're here to help you, to help walk, to help you grow, uh, to, 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 to give you information, but help even if you're outside of where we're at locally and you can't attend Harvest, and uh, we'll help you get plugged into church. We'll help find a good church for you somewhere. We'll give you information. Just email us. Let us know how we can be a blessing in your life. Amen, church. Amen. I'd like to have the altar workers to come forward. These are safe. These are prayed up people. They are godly people. They're here to pray for you. They're here to minister to you. If altar workers can come forward at this time. And you know, maybe some of the stuff that was spoken of here early about the church and the importance of loving the church, you say, you know what? I've been offended. You know, I went through a season of nine months. I was offended at a pastor. It about shipwrecked Church for the Harvest. Watch this from ever coming to existence. Do you hear that? It about shipwrecked. This would never be, never be this church if I didn't get over that offense. And let me tell you something. It was one of the hardest things for me to do and humble myself. But I felt I passed the test. <laughs> and, and see, the Bible says offenses must come. Jesus even says, well, woe to those who they come by. Why? If they're that serious, we can get caught up in it. And Satan is sowing seeds of offense like never before in this season to get us bitter and angry, pitted against one another. We need to recognize his devices and not be ignorant. Amen? So maybe this prayer, anything along these lines, whatever it may be, I just want to encourage you, you know, take, take advantage of this. They're here to minister to you. And maybe it's something else. Uh, you just need a prayer of agreement with or, and they will minister and, and go to your queue however you would like them to minister to you. Amen? Amen. Good thing I only had two points in my message, right? Come on. Hallelujah. Lord, we just thank you. I thank you for every person here. I thank you for their passion and desire to be obedient to you, to love you, to be Christ-honoring. Help us, Father, as the church. Help me, Lord. Give me the, the words, Father, the right attitude of heart to speak into this season, Father God, albeit challenging and difficult as it is. Lord, that I would be bold, that I would declare your truth, but I would do it in a spirit of contrition, Father God. In the spirit of humility. God, I ask that. I need that, Lord. We need that. We need your direction in this season more than ever. Lord, that your house may be full. That your people love one another. I ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you for your attentiveness. God bless you. Thank you.